Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self-development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Rog. Today, I'm going to take a punt at uh, changing your life for the better, uh, if that's not too uh, ambitious. Um, Or at a minimum, I hope to share something with you Uh, a framework uh, which will become a way of understanding yourself better uh, which I think in turn opens the door to change for the better if that's something you're seeking to do so I'm going to give you some of the theory from one of my workshops which is called playing with the cards you've been dealt And by the way, for those of you in Melbourne, Australia, I'll be running this workshop on Saturday the 19th of June. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, And I promise this is not just like a total teaser uh, where I hint at, you know, what what exists in the workshop, but without actually giving you any useful stuff. No, I'm going the other direction. I'm just going to like steal a really good chunk of stuff from that workshop and um, give the whole thing to you here. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So I want to talk with you about the concept of advantage or privilege, Um, but this is going to be uh, a lot more sexy, I think, than most of the times uh, where you've heard that word used. I'm going to share with you a structure or a, a way of looking at the concept of privilege and advantage. And then I'm going to show you how it predicts where you are at with your sexuality and your relationships and some gender stuff uh, and almost everything else in life. Uh, not only that, this structure will show you how you can improve all of those things. Uh, so I, I think it's a freaking roadmap uh, forwards for life. Um, and yeah, it's going to take, I don't know, how long is this going to go for? 20 minutes, 40 minutes or something? Um, so yeah, get a cup of tea, put the kids into screensaver mode and settle in. Generally, when we talk about the idea of privilege, uh, we talk about it like it's either something you've got or something you don't got. Um, so we often use language like some people are privileged and others are not. And sometimes we go into a higher level of detail around that where we acknowledge that some people are like privileged in some areas or in some circumstances or some situations, but then not in others. Uh, and I guess that's the idea that I want to pick up on and expand upon today. Uh, I want to massively, actually, I want to massively expand upon the idea that we're privileged in some areas, but maybe not in others. First, let's zoom out a level and define privilege. You can check the dictionaries and you'll come up with something like this. Quote, privilege is a special right, advantage or immunity, granted or available only to a particular person or group, unquote. Uh, This is awesome, and I love it. We're off on the right track. However, uh, it's missing something, and that's the question of exactly what advantage it gives us in life. Like, what is the point of having privilege exactly? Um, 
What does it give us better access to? Uh, and in short, the answer to that has to be that a privilege gives you access to something you want and a lack of privilege does the opposite, doesn't give you that access. So let's zoom out another level and ask the question of why we're here and what we want in life. You know, just the little questions. I'm going to give you 10 seconds of silence to reflect on why you're here and what's important to you. Uh, just like make a little mental list in your, in your mind. Um, you can write it down if you'd like, but no need to. So why are you here? What's important to you in life? Okay, so for those of you that identify as human, you probably came up with answers uh, like these ones. You want health, uh, family, friends, community, money, a job that you like, career, mental health, a nice place to live, happiness. And I just want to say that last one again, because when I run this workshop in person, uh, or if you look at the research that other people have done into the question of what people value in life, uh, it comes up again and again, and way more than everything else. People want happiness. Cool. So let's start zooming back in from those more lofty questions. Uh, to be privileged means that when you're trying to get to that list of things that you want, uh, the list of things like the reasons why you are here, you have a special right or advantage that others don't have. Um, so yeah, that said, from here on in, I think, by the way, I'll start using the word advantage rather than privilege, um, just because it's less loaded and uh, people find it easier to uh, wrap their heads around. So maybe one of the things you noticed about that list that we made is that it's probably kind of complicated and there's a real diversity of stuff in there in terms of what you want out of life, like why you're here. It's almost like we need a complicated and diverse understanding of advantage to make sense of things. <laughs> um, fortunately, what I have for you is a suitably complicated model and you can't see it on the podcast, but trust me, I'm smiling. I want to propose a structure that breaks the concept of advantage down into four different categories. And this is not meant to be like the unified theory of advantage or privilege. Um, it's not perfect. Um, some things fit across sort of different categories or are slightly hard to categorize at all. But for the most part, this is a very useful and robust model. So the four categories are Category number one, physical advantages. So advantages that relate to your physical body. So that's stuff like how healthy you are, physically healthy you are, how physically strong you are, how well you can use your body uh, and your hand-eye coordination and things like that, your size, um, which is a complicated one. It gives you both advantages and disadvantages under different circumstances, but yeah, size is definitely in there. 
uh, how sexy or attractive you are, uh, as defined by, you know, whatever culture you're in, because that is a little bit of a flexible one, but it's a huge advantage, uh, and it patterns many things, uh, like people with higher attractiveness, uh, get something like 10 to 20% more income than people that are not. Um, and another physical advantage is how able you are, uh, to get around, say, versus, um, needing a wheelchair for mobility. Category number two is social and structural advantages. Uh, so these relate to your place, uh, in relation to society or society structures. So like the communities and the organizations and the families that you're connected to and all of those other related social structures like that. Uh, so it's going to be influenced by what class you are born into, especially if there's a strong caste system in place. Uh, it's going to be impacted by whether or not you are born into money and then if you are surrounded by money throughout your life. Uh, another element is... Um, Age, and specifically, I guess, like you could say, if we take the example of older age, it's both an advantage and a disadvantage. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, older is better for your position in society and its structures. Uh, your gender plays into this, and it depends on what societal structures we're talking about. Uh, but if you're male, that's generally going to be an advantage or possibly a massive advantage in terms of your level of social and structural privilege. Um, and at the other end of that scale, if you're from a minority gender, like non-binary or trans or agendered or female, uh, those things are going to be a disadvantage for the most part in terms of your uh, social and structural position. Another element is your level of education. Uh, and it could also be argued that uh, access to things like unemployment benefits and student loans and things like that uh, will also contribute to your overall level of structural or social uh, advantage. The third level is your psychological advantage, which relates to the idea of how well you know yourself uh, like and how comfortable you are with yourself, as well as how you relate to the people around you. So that's going to include... Yeah, how well you know yourself and, and how well you know how you are likely to respond in given situations or circumstances, um, what your mental health is like, what your relationship skills are like, what your communication skills are like, um, your what's sometimes called your emotional fluidity. Um, or EQ, emotional intelligence, uh, and also your IQ, so just how smart or intelligent uh, you are. Those things all make up your level of psychological advantage. And the fourth category is a little more amorphous. Uh, we're going to be calling it spiritual advantage, and it relates to uh, your sense of detachment or like your capacity to be detached from situations or your capacity to be at peace with the world around you, uh, even if 
from one perspective, um, cards are not stacked in your favour. Um, interestingly, this category um, includes uh, people of science uh, because I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes uh, people with a strong understanding of science and, you know, the, the universe, uh, etc., um, often have a similar sense of peace with where they're at that um, people otherwise sometimes get from their source of uh, spirituality or possibly religion. So a funny little mishmash of a um, category, this one. So, yeah, it includes your capacity to be at one with everything that happens, um, your capacity to be detached from what goes on around you, and um, it's not really related to religion. Um, religion can definitely be a way to get to a position of spiritual advantage, to, to build up your spiritual advantage. But not always. Not not all people that are in um, the major religions or any religion, I guess, uh, would say that it's giving them a better uh, amount of sp uh, spiritual advantage. So, yeah, for these purposes, for our purposes today, uh, I'm not drawing a distinction between the privileges you're born with and the privileges you've earned or the advantages that you've earned. Uh, for our purposes, um, the effect is the same. You're either advantaged in a particular area or you're not. Uh, let's take an example there, for instance, of um, education, uh, which will have a big impact on your level of societal and structural rank. Uh, on the one hand, you need to be born into a culture that has good education in place and you need to be born into a situation where it's possible for you to take advantage of that education. But at the same time, uh, you have to actually get in there and do the work. You've got to be a good student. You've got to study. You've got to work to get that education. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is that um, most privileges, most advantages um, have an element of um, something like almost like luck that has fallen to you. And they also have an element that you have to work for. Um it's a spectrum. Different advantages will be at different points on that scale. But um, regardless, they give you um, that uh, advantage to get towards whatever it is you want in life. So for these purposes, we're regarding them as the same. So that said, uh, I want to tell you now seven fun facts uh, about uh, the concept of advantage. And by facts, uh, I just mean that these are things that I believe now. Um, they're not necessarily uh, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth or objective truth. Um, they're just like some things that I think are fun that I that I believe in. Um, so take them or leave them. Fun fact number one is that it's almost impossible to be strong in every area of advantage uh, that I've just run past you, like out of those four categories. It's very unusual that someone's strong in those four broad areas, and uh, it's it's even more unusual if you go into all of the sort of subcategories, the, the specific types of advantage within those four categories. It's actually not possible to be strong in every area. Um, take, for instance, something like your age. In some circumstances, your age will work as an advantage. Uh, like, for instance, 
And this is a massive generalization, but if you are older and more mature, you are more likely to know more about yourself and have more relationship skills. Um, so there's a point in time where uh, anxiety and stress actually tends to taper off for uh, older people. And yeah, knowledge of self is, is increased. Uh, on the other hand, um, being younger uh, generally means you're going to be more physically healthy, which gives you other advantages. So age is a great example of something which can both work for you and against you. Uh, also means, yeah, it's not possible to be advantaged in every area. Fun fact number two is that a lot of advantages are double-edged, meaning that they are both a good and a bad thing. Uh, and I'm not saying that they're all even or equally so, but uh, yeah, a lot of things um, have got an, an element about them that's that's good and an element that's not so good. Let's take, for example, uh, I spoke before about attractiveness. So um, the benefits of attractiveness is, as I mentioned, you're likely to get paid more. Uh, arguably, it's easier to get selected for a lot of things, whether that's the dating game or the employment game or political office. Uh, there's a whole bunch of ways where attractiveness works strongly in your favour. But then again, um, there is a massive drawback to attractiveness, which is that it's not always possible to turn off other people's attention and their objectification. So, yeah, strong disadvantage there as well. Fun fact number three. Oh, my God, I love this one. Uh, by default, most of us are pretty good at seeing other people's advantages and not so good at seeing our own advantages. A uh, classic example of this might be, um, I remember this coming up a lot when I was doing more in the way of counselling and doing couples counselling in particular. Um, where you've got a situation where one person is mostly at home um, and the other person is mostly away from the home at work. And both of those people, both people in both of those roles are often quite good at being able to spot the advantages that the other person has. So the person that's mostly at home will look at the person that goes to work and they'll say, well, you're able to advance your career. Um, you've got uh, that gives you a more stable money situation um, by virtue of being out of the house. You're out there seeing other people, seeing the world, being out there in the world. Whereas I'm just stuck at home, uh, and all of those things are really true. But you flip the conversation over to the person who's the worker, and they will say they will look at the person who stays home, and they will say. You get to hang out here in our home all the time. You get to follow your own rhythms. You don't have to answer to a boss. Um, my job is often really stressful and I don't like it. So it makes me not like myself. Uh, whereas you have more agency. Perhaps if there's kids involved, you get to have the connection with the kids. And on and on it goes. So yeah, um, most of us and, and so many conflicts uh, boil down to that basic dynamic where we can see someone else's advantage, but we're not so strongly identified with our own. Fun fact number four to do with sex and relationships, um, physical or structural advantage 
is going to make it easier for you to get in relationships and to have more sex. You know, like this is a generalization, but possibly for um, some people, some of the time, uh, though uh, having having physical or structural or societal privilege is going to make it easier. However, it's psychological and spiritual advantage that will keep you there. So I'm just going to say that again. Out of our four categories, the first two, physical and societal position or structural position, is perhaps more likely to make it easy to get into relationships and have more sex. However, once you're there, it's the last two categories of psychological advantage and spiritual advantage that's going to keep you there. Fun fact number five, uh, a lot of what you might call the levelling of your levels of advantage happens when we find a life partner or partners. Um, It has to. Uh, It might be true that opposites might attract or be positive or beneficial in terms of how you go about things in life. But on some level there, you need to be peers. You need to have comparable sort of overall levels of advantage and you're probably going to need... uh, comparable levels of advantage uh, looking at those uh, four categories uh, that we're, we're talking about today as well. If someone's super strong in one where the other partner is not at all strong in that area, that might not work. Fun fact number six is that these advantages are approximately in the order of what makes you happy. So physical advantage or physical privilege doesn't bring you all that much happiness, but there is some in there. Moving on to your position in society, that will bring you some happiness also. Uh, However, it's like a little tainted. Uh, There's a lot of research showing that having a higher income level um, which is, you know, one of the classic hallmarks of someone that's got good societal or structural advantage doesn't actually make you happy beyond, you know, once you get out of, uh, above, um, a little above the poverty line or thereabouts, uh, happiness flatlines, um, throughout, uh, income levels. Um, looking at the next category of psychological advantage, if you know yourself well and you have strong relationships, um, you're going to be a lot further towards happiness. And then finally, the last category of what we're calling spiritual advantage, I mean, that's the ultimate happiness. Um, if you can detach from a situation and be at peace and accept everything that's going on in the world and the people around you and not take things personally, I mean, you've won. Fun fact number seven, um, these advantages are also approximately sort of in the order of what's likely to resolve a conflict well. So starting at the bottom, if your method of conflict resolution is using your physical advantage, that's not a um, very good resolution of a conflict. Uh, if you lean heavily on your societal or structural advantages, your positions in organizations and families, um, that's like a little bit better, but it's not going to, um, it's unlikely to last uh, as a method of conflict resolution. If you've got 
a lot of psychological advantage um, that's going to bode much uh, more well for you in terms of your ability to resolve the conflicts you have uh, with other people. And lastly, uh, if you've got uh, a lot of spiritual advantage and attachment, you actually want to watch that you don't take too far. That can be very frustrating for people. But in general, um, like a partner or a person in a workplace or whatever that's got a lot of uh, spiritual advantage, uh, they're generally very easy people to um, be around and have conflicts with. They often don't even have conflicts because they just don't need that um, escalating um, element that's normally so strong in conflicts. Did you know you can now take some of our workshops online anytime you want in the privacy of your own home from anywhere in the world? We here at Curious Creatures have been, quote, nearly ready, unquote, to offer pre-recorded workshops for about five years, but it was the pandemic that gave us that little extra bit of motivation we needed. So as from October 2020, we've got three of our workshops available with more to follow soon. The first is Fun Little Sex Games for Couples, which is a whole bunch of individual activities designed to get you more of exactly the type of touch and play that you like. The other two workshops are Pleasuring the Penis and Pleasuring the Vulva. The titles here pretty accurately describe the workshops. They are the very hands-on skills that everyone should receive, but almost no one does. Tess, the presenter, takes you through 18 different ways to pleasure the genitals. Coming soon, and perhaps by the time you hear this, we will have a workshop on self-pleasure, a workshop on pleasuring the anus, one on our psychological workshops on conflict resolution, and a huge how-to workshop on non-monogamy. You can check them all out at curiouscreatures.biz under the heading Pre-Recorded Workshops. And now back to the podcast. So next up, I want to talk about how gender plays into this uh, for a minute. Actually, a lot, probably more like five minutes. But before I start, I just want to recognise um, how, I don't know if inappropriate is the right word uh, or how odd it might seem for someone like me to be talking about gender and advantage and privilege by someone like me, I mean someone who's been socialised as male and actually old white guy, you know, if we're going there the whole way. Uh, and even though I don't particularly identify as male, um, I've still got all of the advantages uh, associated with this group, or at least many of them. So I want to acknowledge that that's strange, um, especially since and spoiler alert, uh, I'm going to be deviating from the well-trodden path on this topic uh, just a bit. Uh, I'm aware that that might sound hypocritical or naive or maybe just plain foolish uh, for me to go down this path. But I guess I'd ask you to hang in there with me, if you can, for five minutes, um, because I think you'll find that there is some method in my madness um, we are all on the same team and we're all trying to solve the same problems. Um, I want to say that again. 
the reason this stuff interests me and that I find it so compelling, this model that I'm walking you through today, is because not only does I think it explain uh, explains a, a lot of the things that go on in the world around us and the gender world in particular. I also think it takes us towards the solutions uh, to those problems. And yeah, that's the reason why I can't let this stuff go. So the normal thinking on gender and advantage is that men are massively advantaged. I'm not disputing that. We know this is true, especially if you look at the area of social and structural advantages uh, that we've been talking about. Um, men have more money. They occupy higher status positions, uh, which they also get paid more for. They're more likely to have public or political positions. Uh, they're more likely to get listened to when they're in those positions, and the list goes on. And like, since we're here talking about it, I am so sorry about this um, difference in advantage between uh, men and women. It needs to change. It is not fair. Um, but it is more complicated than just saying that men are advantaged, uh, full stop. And um, I've got a few examples. Like, take suicide rates as an example. Um we know that men are three or four times more likely to attempt suicide and also to commit suicide. And I think that's just not something you would do if the only thing that was going on for you was that you were rolling around in lots of advantage. I just don't think that makes sense. It doesn't match. However, if you think about the things that make us happy and the things that make us want to keep living and having value in life, well, men are not so strong in these areas. Um, the things that make us happy are more likely to be clumped together in the category of psychological uh, advantages and possibly spiritual advantages. And men, I mean, this is all the territory of gross generalizations, but men don't rate so highly in these areas on average. Uh, they don't have high emotional intelligence. Uh, they're, they're less likely to have genuine friends. Um, they're less likely to know themselves as well as the women around them. And they're not so emotionally fluid. Uh, they also don't know how to reach out for help, uh, which is very much a psychological advantage. Um, there's more data that supports this idea I'm going down, and that's um, happiness research. Um, this is a field that's developed into quite the science over the years and has become increasingly accurate. Um, there's a lot of different ways of measuring happiness, and some of them stretch back over many decades of data across many different countries and cultures. And what they show is, like, sometimes they show that men and women are about as happy or as unhappy as each other, but for the most part, uh, most of them are showing that men are about 10 basis points less happy than uh, women. Um, this information might be weird, but I think it's actually really exciting because I think it takes us towards uh, not only explaining um, in a more understandable way why men behave so badly, but it also explains how that problem can be solved. So let's start circling around to the end of this gender bit and move the conversation towards how this model of thinking 
uh, might provide us with some solutions. So here's where it gets super interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've realized it yet, but I've started to outlay a very plausible solution to the problem of male violence and various other problems. What I want to put to you is the idea that some male violence is the result of psychopaths who just don't care about anyone else, and I want to acknowledge that those people exist. However, uh, some massive percentage of that behaviour is likely the result of a lack of psychological advantage. Like, think about it. If you're not terribly happy, and if you don't have so much in the way of friends, and you don't have the skills to process things internally, and you don't have the ability to ask for help, then you're more likely to explode in some way. That might be an internal explosion uh, of self-harming or high-risk behaviours or suicide, or it might be an external explosion uh, manifesting as violence or the mistreatment of others. Uh, I think a lot of those poor decisions are not necessarily the result of having a lot of advantage in societal and structural areas. They are in fact the result of having not enough advantage in the psychological areas. Plus, as mentioned, a couple of genuine psychopaths. We knew, or we worked out after it was brought to our attention back in the 50s, that for women to be fulfilled and whole people, they needed to get access to the male advantages, by which I mean the social and the structural privileges or advantages. Um, we have, as a culture, as a community, we have set uh, set about trying to achieve that. And while there's still a lot of work to be done, we are at least a fair way down that road. Individual results may vary. I think what we need to do now is find ways to share what women have, the psychological stuff, with men. If men get emotional intelligence and communication skills and more self-awareness, they're going to stop so many of their problem behaviours. And the reason I like using the language of advantage or privilege for this is that it's something we all understand. And once we know that a group is advantaged or disadvantaged, we know what to do then and what needs to happen. We recognize that advantage needs to be shared. Um, so yeah, I know it seems totally ridiculous to be here talking about sharing female advantage. Uh, I know it seems absolutely ridiculous for an old white male presenting person like myself to be talking about things this way. But if we talk about psychological advantage in those words, then suddenly it's something that men want. Uh, and rather than sitting around banging our heads against the wall trying to get men to behave better, uh, men are going to be turning up wanting that thing. Uh, this is a game changer. It changes men from being a demographic of people that are almost impossible to engage with uh, and almost impossible to get to change uh, into a group of people that will line up and listen and learn. Uh, deep down, I'm actually quite the optimist. I think most people want to be better people. Uh, I think that anyone that doesn't have good psychological advantage is on some level aware of it and on some level wants to rectify the situation that they find themselves in. And I would like to say my perspective is not just a bunch of untested um, ideas. Uh, I've taught emotional and psychological skills to well over 5,000 men now uh, directly through workshops and a much, much higher number through podcasts and articles. 
And for the most part, they are desperately keen for it. Uh, even the ones that clearly come from a radically different perspective to begin with um, wind up hungry um, for these advantages. Um, perhaps it's useful to think of it like this, in the same way that women are seeking structural equality, men are seeking psychological equality. Okay, we're pretty much done with the gender rave now. In fact, we're pretty much done with this whole episode. Um, but first, I'd like to critique what I've been saying, or at least throw in some caveats. I've been talking about gender, and I've been doing so in a very generalised way at times. Um, it's sort of necessary to do that, but unfortunately, it's inevitably also wrong. Uh, or at least, generalisations will never apply to all people all of the time. So I want to acknowledge uh, that diversity of experience uh, that uh, you might have, uh, and I apologise for the generalisations. Also, particularly towards the end, I was talking pretty negatively about men, or at least men-male behaviour. Uh, sorry, fellas, I know you are perhaps used to being spoken about like that, but it's still not okay. Um, I was just talking about some men and some behaviours, but if it came across like I was saying all men are bad, uh, that's not what I meant, and I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully you get that I was just talking about some trends. This whole four-part structure that I've walked you through today, um, obviously you, you can see that I love it and I get a lot of mileage out of it. It really it excites me no end. Um, but it is not the be-all and end-all. Uh, it's a work in progress and um, someone will come up with something better sometime soon if they haven't already. Um, also, I reminded that it's not a perfect category system. If you try, you will find some aspects of advantage that sort of fit across multiple categories or that just don't immediately fit in, in those categories. Um, and that's okay. Um, that doesn't ruin the usefulness of the model. Um, it's just that the human condition is nuanced and sort of resists being categorized. It's one of the things I like about the human condition, actually. And I just want to stress again that a lot of the reason this model interests me is because I believe it provides us with some really viable solutions to what's going on in the world. Like, when I talk about the privileges that men don't have, I'm not complaining or trying to undermine the very legitimate points women have been making about the privileges that they don't have. I'm not trying to rebuff that by saying, well, men have it hard too. No. The reason I like this model is because it doesn't just identify where the problems are. It identifies what's in the background of them and what's causing them, which in turn tells us what needs to change so that the problem doesn't keep reoccurring. I acknowledge that even if everyone suddenly magically got on board with this perspective and it turned out to be correct, um, and we all put a whole bunch of social programs in place, it's still going to take something in the ballpark of a generation to shift things. However, if I'm being honest, I think that that's going to work out to be a lot quicker than what we're doing at the moment, which I'm sorry to say genuinely feels like it's going to take many more generations to uh, bring about change. For those of you that like exercises and self-development, uh, you can have a field day with this model. 
You know, right back at the top of the episode, I made some large promises uh, about changing your life for the better. So here's the thing. The four categories of advantage are also approximately ordered according to what's likely to make you happier. Um, and that's like interesting and useful in itself. But they are also in approximately the order of what you can actually change in your life. This is the bit where it gets awesome. Um, your situation in the world is not static and the circumstances you find yourself in, um, you can sort of think about that as a sum of your advantages. Um, but yeah, some of those advantages can be changed more easily than others and it just so happens the ones that can be changed are the ones that are more likely to make you happy. So let's uh, start at the bottom um, with uh, physical uh, advantages. Um, you only have a small degree of control over your physical self. Things like exercise and diets and whatever else will improve your physical advantage. But there's a lot of stuff about uh, your body and the way you present and all that sort of stuff that is extremely hard to change. The next category up around societal and structural privileges, you have a degree of control over. Uh, you can get a higher level of education. You can work hard to get a better job or a better position. You can put plans in place. And although you are going to face obstacles and it's going to be hard work, uh, you have a slightly higher degree of control over this area of your life. Uh, and there's other things that in that category that you just can't change. Can't change your age, can't change your race, etc. Moving to the next category, though, of psychology, where we're starting to move much more in the area now that's going to bring you happiness, you actually have quite a lot of control uh, over your psychology. I personally really disagree with the notion that we are our, our personality is hardwired and fixed and there's little or nothing we can do about it. I think there's tons more evidence that we have agency and control. Um, simply, for instance, shifting from, I don't know, watching whatever it is that you watch on Netflix and don't, don't get me wrong, I have no problem with sitting around watching things on Netflix, but if you change some of that content to, say, audiobooks or podcasts or some other thing like that on self-development and relationship skills, it's a very small shift and change to make that's going to expose you to much more things. Um, you can do courses, you can do workshops, you can read books, you can read websites. There are so many options out there for you. Uh, some of them take money, but a lot of them don't, or th at least they don't take very much. And they will have a measurable impact on your psychology and sense of worth. I guess that bleeds over a little bit into the last category of um, your uh, spiritual level of advantage. And on one level, this is simple, like it's going to change for person to person. It's a very personal thing. But like, I know for me, if I wanted to improve my spiritual advantage, it's as simple as meditating for 10 or 15 minutes every day. Uh, that is something that is so squarely within my reach. Um, there's a lot of other practices and, and this is where psychological advantage and spiritual advantage, um, tend to cross over a little bit. Cause if you do a lot of good work on your psychological makeup yourself, uh, you will wind up with a higher level of 
spiritual advantage. But yeah, these things can be changed. And I don't want to grossly oversimplify the process, uh, but use this model. Go through and um, assess uh, where you have advantage and where you don't, and then uh, work out uh, ways that you could get more advantage in the areas where you don't have it. And you know, you've got yourself uh, quite the life plan there. Uh, this is the bit where I want to um, make a nod in the direction of the uh, workshop that I have um, stripped this content from. Um, so yeah, that workshop is called um, Playing with the Cards You've Been Dealt. Um, the workshop starts out in similar territory to what we've been covering today. Like this makes up what we've been talking about, makes up the first section of the workshop. But then it goes into a much deeper dive about your personal situation. So yeah, working out what advantages you have and what you don't have, and then making plans for how to get the ones you don't have. And also how to share the ones that you do have, which just, you know, hint, is a um, another great way towards happiness, sharing what you have. Um, people have been having some great perspective shifts and new understandings about themselves uh, in those workshops. And although it's a chunky workshop, um, it's not a wild or scary one. Uh, we actually approach the whole topic uh, with uh, quite a bit of fun and, dare I say, detachment. <laughs> I'll stick a link to that workshop in the show notes. Lastly, credit where credit is due. Uh, the idea of these four categories of privilege or advantage came to me via process-oriented psychology, and I don't know um, if that school of thought um, uh, traces the model uh, back further or internally. Uh, I know that um, some people within that modality uh, agree with the sort of the further thinking that I've applied around how it relates to gender, sex, and relationships, and perhaps some people don't. Um, so, yeah, on the one hand, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, on the other hand, <laughs> if you don't like my perspective, um, then maybe don't uh, blame process-oriented psychology because, um, yeah, it might not be their fault the way I've presented it to you today. That's it, folks. Uh, there hasn't been much stuff about sex today, but hopefully some interesting stuff there nevertheless. See you next time. And just a reminder, the workshop that I've been borrowing content from today is on in Melbourne on Saturday the 19th of June 2021. Would love to see you there. The link is in the show notes. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures. We work with the world in the areas of sexuality, self-development, and relationships. We achieve this by doing the following five things. One, we offer pre-recorded workshops that you can watch at any time in the privacy of your home. Two, we run online live workshops. Three, we run in-person workshops, mostly in Australia. Four, I offer counselling, specialising in the things you hear me talking about on this podcast. And five, we make our famous consent cards, which you can view for free online or purchase pretty cheaply. You can find out about all of these things at curiouscreatures.biz. 
The best way to stay in touch regarding workshops is to sign up to our free monthly mailing list. And we also have a forum for you to interact with other listeners of this podcast and the Curious Creatures community about all sorts of things. Go to forum.curiouscreatures.biz. And lastly, if you can think of anyone else that might enjoy this episode, please share it with them. My name is Rog. You're awesome. This episode was mixed by Aman Dembla, and thanks for listening. <laughs>